You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome into Babes on Broad, episode 33. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host Jesse Town, and we are the Babes on Broad, brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. Give us a follow on all platforms at Babes on Broad. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we have a website, Babes at Broad or Babes on Broad. Com. And then you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at SamWills18. And you can find Jess on Instagram at Jessica underscore town with an E. And on Twitter at RunThisTown with an E13. It's been a while since we've been with everybody because okay. of all the craziness in the world. But a lot's been going on. It's not really football-wise. So we had to wait until something happened. And now it is game week Philadelphia Eagles, they are back, baby. The Redskins this Sunday at 1 o'clock in Washington. And we have a lot to get into over camp. There's been a lot going on. First thing first, before we get into win and losses and all that, we're going to break down offense and defense in two separate episodes. So first, today, we're going to do the offense. And the big story with the offense lately has been the O-line and all the injuries on the O-line. Back in June, Brandon Brooks went down with a left Achilles injury, and he will be out for the season. They didn't put him on IR. They put him on the pup list, which is interesting. I mean, he's so in shape right now, but he's still, you can't have an O-lineman do a, what, six-month recovery from left Achilles when he's already got a bad right Achilles? Who the heck knows? That guy's Superman. That was something I looked at it, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Now again. I'm not getting my hopes up on this, but I thought that was interesting. And then it only got worse from there. Then we had Andre Dillard. Not only did he not have the most promising camp, but then he also was out for the whole season as well. So they brought in Jason Peters. So they Great brought guard. him in once Brandon Brooks went down. They brought him in to go over there, but then Andre Dillard got hurt, and they had a right guard playing left tackle and a left tackle playing right guard, which was just silly. So, thankfully, Jason Peters walked into Doug Peterson's office and said, I'm playing left tackle, and Doug said he got up and gave him a hug. (laughs) First, he tried to be like, I'm only doing it for more money, and I was very upset because I was like, that is selfish, JP. And then I got, I talked some senses into him, and he was like, you know what? Yes, so you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome, Philadelphia. Me and JP, buddies, boys. I'm so glad he's moving back to left tackle, just because... Not Okay, so not only did Andre Diller go down for the season, Lane Johnson has been hurt for the last few weeks. So he hasn't really been practicing huh. either. And one of the biggest things, I forget what it was. I feel like it's more of a precaution because he's playing week one. 
So I think it's more of a. But he hasn't practiced for weeks. If it was just a precaution, he would pl- he would be practicing this week. And I don't know. I don't know how much he is practicing this week. I know he's been lifting, so it can't be too serious. Right, but the bigger thing there is like have it's having the chemistry with also the right guard. So like it just all the chemistry on the line is equally as important as I mean anywhere else, right? So having a guy at left tackle who knows how to play left tackle alongside the same left guard from last year, I think that just makes more sense in terms of blindside protection than just having a cluster of a line. I agree. And there's good old Jason Kelsey in the middle just doing his thing as always. <laughs> okay. So how confident are you with the current line? It's JP from left to right. JP, Samalu, Kelsey, Matt Pryor, and then Lane Johnson. So how confident? It's not too bad besides Matt Pryor is the only one we're not really Right. But he got some time in there last year. I mean, it's things like this. When you, when you and I talked last year, when we did our who stays and who goes episode, right? When we did that, one of the guys that we were like, they should keep, but probably won't be able to because of a price tag was Vitae. And that's because he could play left tackle, right tackle, and right guard. And it's a situation like this where it's like, dang, he would be really nice to have here right about So, but Matt Pryor did work in there a little bit last year because Brandon Brooks went down and Lane Johnson, or Lane Johnson and then Brandon Brooks and went down and then they had Vitae right. Well, they put Dillard in there, but then they put Vitae in there. And then they had Matt Pryor at right guard. So it wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. And I think he'll get, continue to get better as the season goes on. I definitely feel better with Jason Peters over there instead of that just being Sayamalu and Pryor or Jack Driscoll or anybody else. I just, you know, everyone wants to make the jokes about the false starts and, and whatever. I mean, it's not just Jason Peters. Like every lineman in the NFL does that. It happens, whatever. I, I would trust Jason Peters with my life. And I also trust him with Carson Wentz's life. That's why he's known as the bodyguard. So I, I have a, a moderate to good feeling about them. I'm just week one is no joke with that defensive line that they're going against from Washington. Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, and Chase Young. It's going to be a huge test right off the bat. And last year, Carson Wentz was the number, I think in through the first four weeks in terms of most hit quarterbacks, I think he was number seven. Like he got rocked last year. He only got sacked once against Washington, but he was just getting hit over and over and over again. Yeah, so that's my thing about JP is I'm happy he's back. I think he is the best option to be there right now, but it doesn't concern you at all that he is getting older and he does get banged up because there's always – there's been multiple stories from camp that he's had to come out and sit a day out. It's nothing serious, but it is like – it looks like it's part of his age that like he might not be able to hang. That doesn't concern you at all? Oh, it definitely concerns me. It 100% does, but – I would rather him still be the starter and them have somebody else to fall back on that they're continuously work that that they're continuously working with without the pressure of having to be the starting left tackle. So it's like, yeah. you know, they drafted Jack Driscoll and they really like this kid and he's shown some good things in camp, but I mean, it, it, the pressure of having to be the starter is so much different than just having to work and learn and and being ready to go in if you're needed, but you don't have to be the guy to protect Carson Wentz week one against whoever's coming off of that edge. 
No, I agree. And I do, like I said, I think he's the best option for that, but I wouldn't like, I'm very concerned about our offensive line and their health and how long they will be able to stay healthy and what we're going to do. And with that being said, there's been a lot of talk about possibly getting veteran Cordy Glenn mm-hmm. um, from, he was most recently with Cincinnati the past two years. And then six years before that, he was with Buffalo. Um, he started 95 games total between those eight years and he was a former second round pick in 2012. And there's been a lot of talk and I saw Trey Thomas break down his film and trench talk and he seemed decent. Would you want them to pull in like Cordy Glenn for a backup? Or would you want some of the guys off the bench like Driscoll, who's young, and Prince, I don't know how to say his last name, Tego Wanaga, and then Nate Big. I do like the idea of bringing in another veteran because that's something that they have had in terms of like Vitae, you know, his first year was obviously, you know, a little iffy, but he also, I mean, was the starting left tackle in the Super Bowl. So, you know, he, he had enough experience that I felt okay when he came in. Having, you know, one of these young guys or rookies come in, I mean, that is that is a little nerve-wracking, especially, like, last year when Dillard came in at times, it was like, okay, like, this guy's supposed to be the future, so we're going to need to throw him in there at some point. Yeah. None of these guys are supposed to be, you know, the future or, you know, taking over for a Hall of Famer, essentially. I don't have as much comfort or confidence in some of these guys as I would have in Andre Dillard last year or – you know, bringing Vitae off the bench. So I think, I don't think it would be a bad idea. And I would definitely support the thought of bringing in a veteran. Are you concerned about Dillard's career? Because I mean, he didn't have the best last year. He wasn't having a good camp. And then now he's out for the entire season. So he's already been an old rookie and all that stuff and wasn't panning out how they're supposed to. And it was, now it's just later and later. I get concerned about now, like this halting his development another year even if he does come back and he does end up being a really good everyday left tackle and everything I don't see him as a hall of famer Dillard but I think that he will hopefully become a everyday great left tackle and protect Carson but I still think it's a letdown considering he was our number one pick and he was already old and he's lost so much time so I think it's a letdown but there's still hope for it okay so we Got that done. Let's move on to the wide receivers. So the wide receivers that made the 53-man roster, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager. We'll get more into each one of these in a second. Um, Greg Ward, Alshon Jeffrey, John Hightower, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and Quez Watkins. But then Watkins was just recently put on the day-to-day IR, the short-term IR. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, he is not expected to play until October, but he's not on the pup. They couldn't trade him, and who knows what's going on with him. Apparently, he looks a little skinny. Like, he's lost some weight, but got, you know, the muscle's still there, but he's slimmed down a little bit, so he's 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 looking good, and everything seems to be progressing well, which is good, especially because that's a yeah. really crappy injury to try to – So we'll just start with Alshon Jeffrey because I kind of just went right into it. So there was a bunch of trade rumors. Obviously, the Eagles are having a tough time trying to trade him because he's expected to get paid just under $10 million this year. Um, and he's coming off that Liz Franck injury. He, it's weird because like how we were just talking about it, he was projected to not even see the field until October. And then he came back, they were saying he was looking healthy and like skinnier. And supposedly he's had a good attitude on the sidelines and all that stuff. So now they're saying it's potential he could play in September. 
do you risk that with his age and a Liz Franck injury and his, I mean, his attitude seems good, but his attitude that you know he can have? I think he's the kind of person that can power through if he wants to. Like, if he has the motivation, he's going to power through circa 2017 Super Bowl season. He had a torn rotator cuff and played the whole season and was Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Uh, Then last year, he had some, like, little nagging injuries. Before he really got hurt, he had, like, the ankle was bothering him a little bit, and he just was dropping a lot of balls, and he just – I don't think mentally he was totally invested. So I think it it sort of depends. If he's he's in a good spot in terms of his focus, his game – um, and, and motivation for the season. I think he's the kind of guy who he will want to do that at this point with the issues with receivers that you've had. Anybody that's healthy enough to play should play. I know. And you get what you can out of them until someone else gets hurt, please. No, I agree with that. And that's the thing that concerns me is the fact that it is all about what he wants to do. And after last year's locker room drama where it was most likely him that went to Justina Anderson and all that. It just, I don't know if I think he has the mental capability to actually want to play for this team and want to do good for this team. I think if there is a want to for him, it will be for himself just to get traded or signed by a new team, you know? So I hope that's enough. We'll see Um, what you already said. You just kind of hinted into it. Wide receiver was our big problem last year and it's concerning again. I already went through who they have. Our number one receiver right now is Deshaun Jackson, which is exciting because I'm excited to see finally him be that deep threat for Carson and see how it goes. But I'm kind of concerned with it. I was already mentioning it to you is, yes, he's healthy and he's back, but how much is his age going to get on to him? And then also how much is last year's big injury, the only injury he's really had in his career going to impact him. So I think those two going up together kind of concern me as our number one receiver. I mean, I get worried because there's no reason that in a year that you knew receiver was your biggest issue and it was your number one thing that you needed to address, there is no reason that your number one receiver should be a 33-year-old Deshaun Jackson coming off of an injury where he played one game. Is Deshaun spectacular when he's healthy? Oh my God, yes. And we saw that week one last year. If I could have a whole season of Deshaun like that, no arguments. I, I need that from him though. But the fact that that's our number one reliance is my concern and and we you know we talked about this after the draft my issue was draft Jalen Rager great that second round pick you take another receiver you don't draft Jalen Hurts with 52 trade trade your third round pick and trade up to take him at the end of the second round if you so desire to have him that badly but you take a Denzel Mims or or someone else that was there to supplement that receiver position now they have a couple other young guys that have shown out in camp a little bit you need some bigger guarantees you you need some more there there's I don't have a lot of confidence in this group is kind of my point with Alshon's injury with Jalen Rager just being a rookie in itself nothing else Deshaun being a little bit older coming off injuries I mean other than that now we were talking about this before we came on Greg Ward huge shout out to him so excited that he finally was able to crack that 53-man roster but how does he do in a situation where it's you know you're the guy you're one of the guys. You're not, we have nothing else left. Please just do something. 
You know what I mean? It's a totally different mentality going into week one, relying on this guy to make big plays for you instead of, you know, what was it? Week 14 or 15 when you're hanging on by a thread and you're just trying to step up and make a big play here and there. Like this is, you need to make the plays. And I think a big thing that's going to impact Ward this year, too, is last year he came off the practice squad. Nobody knew who he was. They just got thrown in there, played big. He did his part, and he deserves this spot on the team. But I think he's going to struggle in the fact that other teams will now have last year's film to look at. Right. Because obviously there's a reason he's not a big wide receiver and he never made the cut. You know what I mean? He's good, but it's concerning if he's going to be good enough to still play big when other teams know what to expect from him. Jalen Rager agree with you. I am excited to see him. I think he's going to be very good young back, but that's the problem. He doesn't have the experience. So hopefully he can yeah. play big. You wait to see how it translates into the NFL, right? We're still, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's not such a seamless transition for everyone. You saw JJ Ortega Whiteside struggled last year. You hope he takes a step forward, but totally mm-hmm. with what you were saying about Rager, like, I think he's going to be great, but you know, it, it, there is a learning curve that comes with it. And he did, he did have a very good camp until he injured his shoulder. Hopefully it's just one week out. Yeah, so one week without him, hopefully he comes in. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside needs to have a big year. Needs to take a step forward. Needs to take a step forward because with what we said, you literally right now, healthy, have Deshaun Jackson for week one, Greg Ward for week one, John Hightower, who we'll get to, and J.J. And hopefully he does it right away because, I mean, I feel like anybody would be in their head playing for Philly and not producing, but – if he doesn't produce right away, Philly's going to be on him. And I think I mean, that's gonna- And especially with what we were talking about with the offensive line being so questionable, like if other people aren't stepping up and making plays and, and, and doing what they're supposed to do, this offense is going to be stagnant. And then our fourth wide receiver for week one, John Hightower. Clocked a 4.43 in the combine in the 40, but that was also he, it was noted that that was with an extra 15 pounds of muscle. So he's expected to be even faster, which is awesome. So he kind of sounds like he'll be another Deshaun, which maybe that will be great for him to play behind a guy like Deshaun. The, the goal was speed. You got speed. Exactly. And camp, I haven't heard much from him, but they probably also weren't focusing on him before all the injuries as much. I mean, it's, they were saying, so on August 30th, BLG tweeted, it feels like John Hightower makes at least one highlight play in every, in every practice. Can't recall him dropping a pass this summer. Diving contested catch over the middle, creating instant separation with a release by right next to Darius Slay. You know, long balls to beat some of the some of the guys that are in contention for starting quarterback jobs. So it seems like he's been doing really well in camp, and he's going to yeah. be one of those sneaky good options. So I mean, hey, we'll see. That's exactly what we were saying about Riger as well. Is they've both been doing good, but it's also where somewhat in their comfort zone. You know what I mean in a camp. We'll see how it translates to the field. But what would you say you're more concerned about week one and then whole season? The offensive line and their injuries or the talent of wide receivers? I'm definitely more concerned about the offensive line. I agree. My my point with the offensive line just is, so Miles Sanders has been a little banged up through camp, but he's going to be good to go for week one as we kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll use this as our segue into the rest of the roster, which is essentially running backs and tight ends. But He's been a little banged up, but he needs to, he's going to need to take a step forward in terms of his, like, picking up the blitz, especially with the way that the line is right now and with some of the injuries. So he's going to have to take a step up there to give, obviously, we, this speed was the goal, but getting a little bit of separation 
is going to be then the end game here. And, and Carson's going to need a little bit of time to be able to get the ball out. But the offensive line, if they can't hold up for that, and if they can't do anything to block for a Miles Sanders or a Corey Clement or Boston Scott, you know, you become a one-sided offense. And yes, it is a passing league, but if you can't toss in the run here and there, it's not hard to stop. So like I said before, they're going to become a stagnant offense if they can't figure um, it out on some level. So the, the the offensive line is the root of all that for me. Going more in depth with that, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Corey Clement. Is it Clement? Clement? I always say it wrong, and I always forget which one's the actual way. Clement. Okay, I'm sorry. I always, I literally always get in trouble for how I say it's it's like the the Alex Burke Alec Burks thing. It's it's yeah. he always says it wrong, and people just need to figure it out. Pending the offensive line, Miles Sanders. I'm huge fan. I think he is our back of the future, and I hope our offensive line can give him what he needs to have another great year and even grow on top of that. Boston yep. Scott, I think, complements him perfectly. He's a cheaper back, but he's also the power that we need because he makes up for more of the Sanders zigzaggy. And then I think I'm just biased towards Corey because, I mean, he's obviously been injured most of the last two years, but he did so good in that Super Bowl. I think it's somewhere inside of him, and I like having him on the roster to throw and switch things up. Apparently he's, I mean, he's looked as good, like the best he has since that year. I think, you know, one of the issues was like, I think he's a good role player and he's good at what they had him doing the year they won the Super Bowl when he was supposed to be the guy that most of the work fell on. He's not that guy, but he has things that he can do as a good change of pace back because he can like. He can run between the tackles, but he can also bounce at the outside. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can catch the ball deep, honestly. But when he is supposed to be like that workhorse guy, I just don't think that's him. I agree. I feel like he's more a chill, knows his place, and I think he likes that. He seems like he likes – I'm excited for the running back group as long as our offensive line can at least hold up something to give him a chance to do something. Right, and I think that's – I mean, another seamless segue here. Going into the tight ends, which is just Ertz and Goddard on the roster for the 53, I mean, Goddard's going to come into play a lot in the run game there, and Ertz is probably have to step up with his some of his blocking too, which, I mean, he's significantly improved on every year in the league. But, yeah, I mean, Goddard had a thumb fracture in camp, but he's been practicing. He's going to play through anything. It doesn't really matter what. Does it concern you, though, the fact that they do only have Ertz and Goddard in there because – no, because they're both pretty durable. They're both pretty durable individuals. I mean, Zachert's like played with a lacerated kidney. Unless it's something like a concussion or something where it's it's genuinely dangerous to their health, those two are guys that they're they're going to be on the field. I agree, and I think you they're rely on them every time. Yeah, and how fit they are, like their body mass, and I think or everything goes into them staying healthy. So I think they have good chances of that. I mean, Goddard has little injuries, but. The offense as a whole, right? What is your, I, I mean, you kind of asked me this, which was my bigger concern, the the line or the wide receivers, but the offense as a whole, and then obviously you have your three quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, Nate Sunfeld, brought Josh McCown in on the practice squad per Carson Wentz's request. I love that guy. Just chilling, casually making $12,000 a week. Can I be the fifth emergency quarterback and make half of that? Literally. What is what is your key to success for this Eagles offense? Um, I mean, I think it sounds cliche, and I think it's every single year we say this, and it never happens, but health. 
I think overall that's what we need because we are our all our wide receivers so young and we need them to just kind of play it big and step right into their roles. And we need Rager to really remain healthy and come out big. We need Jeffrey to come back good. So I think that's going to play big on that, but then also it translate over to the offensive line. And I think they as well have to play big, but JP has to stay healthy. Say Malo, I'm not worried about it. Like him there, Jason Kelsey, obviously a freaking beast Lane Johnson. I need him to stay healthy. Last year he had some, what was it? High ankle sprains that took him out a little bit. Yeah. Or body injuries. So you need him to stay healthy, which he has been lifting a lot and doing a whole bunch of stuff. So hopefully that translate into his health this year. And then Matt Pryor, he makes me nervous. I think he's the weakest spot and I don't know. Hopefully he plays big. But key to success being health, I think makes, I I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So even though we are young, I think they have the ability to play up. So I think that's kind of the secondary worry is the age, but yeah, definitely. Agreed. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to chat a little bit about the Sixers and what they have going on right now or not going on or whatever the heck it is that they're doing. You are listening to Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Welcome back into Babes on Broad, episode 33. We teased it before the break, but 
but a lot of stuff went down with the Sixers. Jess, you want to give us a little recap? The Sixers got their butts swept right out of the bubble by the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics played a really, a really good offensive series. Um, the Sixers did the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> aside from Joel Embiid, Joel averaged 30 and 12 and uh, was their best offensive player. He was their best defensive player. Um, anything that needed to be done, Joel was doing it, but no one else was helping him. No one else, I, I mean, no one else remotely played up to their, to, the, to their personal standards and the team was just an absolute cluster for lack of a better term. I mean, it, they looked awful. They looked lost. Poor decisions made all the way around. I mean, it was just so bad. So obviously I think it was pretty understood by that point that Brett Brown was, was going to be let go after the, that was kind of all done, but they also kind of talked about how they were going to really address the front office as well. Um, in typical Sixers fashion, nothing has been done since, I mean, they haven't done anything since they mentioned that, um, it, the, the front office is still completely intact and, and the same way, but there's an ongoing head coaching search. Um, apparently, I would love to get your thoughts on this, Sam. The only people in the room that are, you know, getting to voice their opinion for a new head coach are Elton Brand, Josh Harris, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons. Do you agree that that is how it should be? And, and or do you have a different opinion there? What are your thoughts on Joel and Ben, especially having an, a large say in who the next head coach is? No, I think that's very smart because that's all we talk about in Philadelphia is building with Ben and building with Joel. We've made it very clear as many stupid people want to say, trade Joel, trade Ben. They're not going anywhere. They're our future. They're what you're going to build around. You have to make sure they have a say and they want to play for somebody that they bring in because that's what we saw with Brett. Like, obviously it wasn't that they were being disrespectful and just not playing for him. But when you have that chemistry with a coach, it makes you want to win for them. Kind of with the Flyers. I mean, the Flyers are out, but kind of like the Flyers and AV. You need that respect and that we talked about it so much with Brett that he was more of a friend and he was perfect for the process. But like you have to have somebody that's a friend off the ice that you respect and you like as a person, but will get on your ass when you're playing. I agree yeah. completely. And apparently that's, you know, the, the number one guy, the number one rumor at this point is, is Ty Lue. And yeah. apparently, you know, obviously it's a player's league and the players are going to dictate what's going on. And I think that's how it should be. And, you know, it's no secret that, you know, David Blatt was fired from Cleveland because LeBron wanted him gone and LeBron hand selected Ty Lue to come in. Um, now I still don't put any stock in Ty Lue having an NBA championship as a head coach. I don't just because LeBron was, I mean, you have LeBron and, and LeBron, but I think what, what is really impressive about that is apparently the schemes that he put around LeBron and, and the, where he put guys in certain situations was I think it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air and I think a lot of the veterans on that team the Kevin Loves and and whatnot they were really impressed with the X's and O's that actually came out of this guy's mind and they thought and and not only that but he wasn't afraid to get in LeBron's face and and chew him out a little bit if he wasn't doing what he was supposed to so he was a good good players coach he knew how to articulate but wasn't afraid to get on you if you weren't doing your job 
which I think is exactly what Ben Simmons and Joel need. A guy who's going to put them in the best situations, who's going to continuously build up their strengths while also working on their weaknesses. But, you know, if there's a, if there's a period of time where, you know, Joel looks a little bit lazy, he's going to let him hear about it. If there's a period of time where, you know, Ben keeps driving to the rim and kicking it out instead of just finishing strong when, you know, he, he's got someone smaller on him, he's going to bring Ben off the floor and he's going to let him know about it. So I think, you know, I, I totally agree with you in that that's the kind of guy you need. And, and your comparison to AV, I think, is a really good one. He knows how to work with some of the younger guys. He has the respect of the veterans. But no one is above getting, getting yelled at or above a criticism. And I think that's, you know, exactly what they need, the Sixers need. And they also, obviously, there needs to be some, some reworking of the roster. But I think it's also going to be putting guys in the right situation to succeed, which I don't think they were last year. Everyone wants – I mean – And when they were, it took forever to switch things. Like Al Horford was starting forever and ever and ever. And then finally, what, a week before shutdown, he was yeah. placed in the right spot. You know what I mean? So I agree with you on that. Exactly. And I, I think that they need to get some more shooters in here. Your, your shooter for Con Korkmaz, I, I mean, he took seven shots in four games in the playoffs like yeah he didn't even get a shot off in game one do you know how many points he scored from shots zero zero none none he had three points in four games and they all came from free throws and by the way he was three for five from the free throw line like he missed two of them you know and that's supposed to be your shooter when that's your shooter yikes like yikes I, and I think the front office needs to be adjusted. I, I, I don't know if you have listened to the most recent J.J. Redick podcast or even the one like before when he was talking to Jimmy Butler, but the one that came out this week, he was talking about some of his time in Philly and how all of the emphasis was on what players couldn't do. Like, yeah, I actually, of, I saw, yeah, did you see that? I saw a quote about him saying that his play hasn't changed at all with the Pelicans right now. But when he was in Philly, it was all about how his defense was poor. His defense was poor, even though it would be the same as he it is right now. But now right. he doesn't have to worry about it. So it makes him seem better or something like that. Right. And it was – and, I mean, the guy was a 12-year veteran. You know what I yeah. mean? So he, he's played in the NBA for 12 years. He had never been on a team that missed the playoffs until this year. But you want to focus on everything he can't do instead of just putting yeah. him in the best situations to succeed. It's this, and he, you know, said it was kind of the same thing with Ben and Ben's shooting. Yeah. Why are we constantly focusing on what he can't do when the guy is, I mean, he is top in the league of rebounding, passing and court vision, steals, de like, it's a crime that he was not even a finalist for defensive player of the year voting an absolute crime, especially mm -hmm. when you look at, you know, Giannis saying he didn't want to switch on Jimmy Butler. Like Ben's the kind of guy who's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to defend anybody and they're not going to get by me. Like, yeah. or at least I'm going to make it hard for him. When he played on Kawhi last year, Kawhi was still doing Kawhi things, but he was frustrated hard. He had to work harder for it. You know what I mean? So I just, they need to revamp that front office Anybody that was there under Colangelo or was hired by Colangelo needs to go. go. Agreed. Besides, I, I see a lot of people attacking Elton Brand, and there are some things that he's done that 
haven't worked out and stuff, but I'm a fan of Elton. I think it's too early to get rid of Elton. The only thing I think he royally, royally, I can't say that, messed up was Jimmy Butler. But his hands were tied in that. If it was a Brett or Jimmy situation, I still think he should have chose Jimmy. But I mean, you see what Jimmy can do. And I don't think anybody had any disagreement there and it just it, it's it's gonna it's gonna haunt it's gonna haunt the Sixers for forever I mean if Jimmy goes on some crazy run and wins a title in Miami I, it's it's gonna haunt us it's gonna haunt me until the day I die me yeah. and my Jimmy Butler jersey that's like in the back of my closet now I, I I still don't disagree with retaining Tobias Harris because I like Tobias and I think no, I think I, don't I think that's the trade Tobias yeah I I like in terms of not only his on on the court stuff, but everything that he is off the court because we've talked about Joel Embiid's kind of that goofy personality. Ben Simmons is kind of quiet. He's not really a vocal leader. Tobias is that vocal leader that's going to pull the team together and be the guy who, if you need a voice, that's who the team's going to turn to. And yeah, he's you know, he grossly underperformed in the playoffs. No one I think is going to disagree with that, but. I also don't think he was necessarily always put in the best spot to succeed. I agree. And I also think you have to look at his career overall. He obviously did not have a good year, but based off of what he did before, you know what he can do. You know, if he has a change of scenery, he could get back to that. So I, or not scenery, but like a different coach. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of the word, but just somebody new to come in and switch things up. I think it's going to help him a lot. And I think overall that was the right move. Anybody can have a bad year. Nobody would have just guessed and been like, yeah, we're going to give him all this money and we know we're going to get, he's going to do bad. Whatever. He comes back, he'll bounce out of it. I think that was still the right move. A new voice in the locker room could do wonders for some of these players and for, for some members of this team. I still think there are things that, need to be adjusted. I think that if they can unload that Al Horford contract, they should. Well, I mean, what will we get in return for that? God only knows. That's the thing too, is that was brilliant when it first happened. Everybody agreed with Elton because you're the one guy that could be Joel. You put him on a team with it. It sounded genius. Right. Nobody could have a guessed. back center finally. Like yeah. Nobody could have guessed that he would come here and the bed. Poop yeah. bed. I'm sorry. But it- like, nobody could have guessed that. So I don't think right. stuff like that goes back on Elton. Because I think, yeah. when you think about it, before it happened, it was smart. And now that it didn't pan out, yeah, it's easy to turn on Elton and be like, you should have known, but nobody could have known. Right. And I, the only and way they were getting him here was if they offered him 110 because the Kings yeah. were offering him 100. So they wanted him here. And, and again, the theory was there. In theory, yes. It should have been genius. It just <laughs> didn't pan out that way. Like, it's not Elton's fault, and that's why it bothers me when people try to comment Elton so much. Okay, I just saw, I tried to get the most recent, I mean, obviously we already talked kind of about who we wanted, but I saw the most recent article about the top Sixers can, coaching candidates. There's five, sorry, I almost said six. There's five of them, okay. and one of them's already been since been knocked out. The most recent article I could find was a, within a week. And I just try to gather everybody up. So they have Tyron Lue, um, Jay Wright, who's since confirmed that he will not even want the Sixers job. And I don't blame him because he's having so much success and making so much money at Villanova. And then Emily Udoka, their assistant coach, but he's also been in, in talks of being trying to talk with other teams about their coaching jobs. Stan Van Gundy, who I know you like. Would be my number one choice. And then the fifth guy is Adrian Griffin, who's, 
Toronto's assistant coach. So Stan Van Gundy's your number one. Who's your number two? Ty? I mean, I guess. Now, if I had to go with my a number two of anybody, now I think a guy who would have been interesting was Jacques Vaughn, who's the assistant coach in Brooklyn, who was their interim head coach after they fired Kenny Atkinson. But they also just announced when they hired Steve Nash, they were retaining Jacques Vaughn and he was going to be the best compensated assistant coach in the NBA. I also, I'm a fan of Ime Udoka. I just think, and I also am a fan of Becky Hammond. I just want to get away from the Greg Popovich tree I was gonna say, for, I've seen for a period of time. Yeah. I, I, they need a fresh start. I think Ben and Joel need a fresh start. I think the front office needs a fresh start. Like, I think everybody just needs to take a step back, clean slate, start new, figure it out from there. And then if that doesn't work, that's a different conversation from, from down the line. But I think at this point, it's been so long since we've heard anything different or any other rumors it leads me to believe that they they have their guy and there's an agreement in place. They're ju- they just haven't announced it yet. Yeah, I agree. And be interesting to see what they choose. I do think just from what we hear that it will be Ty Lue just because he's the most talked about, the most hyped up one. It would make sense because he's still playing. So we'll see what happens. The irony of that man being the Sixers head coach to me is – mind-blowing like yeah. I I was telling you this before I personally yes, think this idea because we I need think that if they hire Ty Lue as the head coach the first the home, home opener for the Sixers he needs to sit down in front of the bell and Allen Iverson needs to step over him to ring said bell then after they win an NBA championship with Ty Lue as the head coach the follow the, that season that follows that home opener, at, they reverse roles and he gets to step over Allen Iverson to ring the bell. Because I think that would just be poetic justice. I think that is beautiful and I love that idea. And I think that reason you told me before the show, that whole situation, and I think that is why I want Tyloo to become the coach. Uh, only if they reenact that, that only, then I will accept it. Yes. We need that in writing from the Sixers when they hire Tyloo. That needs to be, yeah, that needs to be part of the contract. Yes. Thank you for your time. <laughs> that is our episode for the day. Thank you so much to BGN Radio as well as SB Nation. Make sure you're following us on social media, the Babes on Broad accounts, as well as myself and Sam. And make sure you are subscribed to Bleeding Green on wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes. Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is, because we have another episode coming out this week with a big announcement of some game day plans and some exciting things that we've got going for season two of Babes on Broad. So make sure once you finish this episode, obviously give a five-star rating, leave a written review, all that good stuff, but make sure you're subscribed and listen to our second episode this week for some awesome announcements because we're super excited and we cannot wait. Thank you again for listening, but until next time, we are the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Babes on Broad. BGN. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. 
Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 